Mavericks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Movie Mavericks, speaking of fucking long, uncut European cocks. The Movie Mavericks Podcast. Now for your hosts, Jason and Trevor. I can't wait. Hey now, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Movie Mavericks. We have a retrospective on 1990s True Lies. Arnold Schwarzenegger, Tom Arnold... Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, Jason, you want to get us started on this? Yeah, this is the James Cameron opus, right? This is mm-hmm. the action opus of the sure. 90s. Uh, it's been a, quite a long time since I've seen this movie. How long has it been for you? Was it... It's been a very long time. Yeah, I'd say at least 10 to 15 years for me. And uh, you asked me, was it a chore to go back and watch it? And I say no, but I, I ask you, did you enjoy rewatching this? Yes, I... Uh... Well, the only reason I asked you that is it took you uh, a few times, but I think because of your schedule, yeah, was yeah. more or less was the reason for that. Yeah, um, so that's the only reason I had, had said that. But no, I watched this um, early in the morning, uh, and I couldn't. I fully expected to. It was so fucking long, like any James Cameron movie. It's long winded, um, but I expected to maybe make it halfway through and fall asleep. But no, I watched it all the way through. Oh and wow! Was, yeah. And was rejuvenated afterwards. <laughs> right. you know? Couldn't sleep. And, you know, the sun was coming up, and just thinking, "My God, this is um, God." I love '90s movies. You know, just wonderful film. Yeah, this uh, really played well. Although I gotta say, uh, and you addressed this to me uh, through a text message, saying that the DVD of this is just shit. Is there I mean, a Blu-ray of this? No, there is not. Nor of the Abyss, and we have to do something about we, it. Yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit about um, James Cameron's, um, you know, during the 90s, obviously, was his most prolific years, if you will. And he had, um, you know, a run in with um, with his releases on uh, to home video. He did something a little bit different than than other people did. Yeah, Uh, I don't know. Should we talk about it now? I don't. Well, yeah, I'm I'm curious. What are you speaking? Sure. I'm talking about the pan and scan. He remastered a lot of his movies. and true lies you know being one but uh, terminator 2 being probably the most famous for being so heavily re-edited and and reframed for that the full screen presentation back in the day we didn't have widescreen tvs right when this was also vhs sure. sets and there was no really and laser discs weren't big, that prolific big big proponent well during this time laser discs were but no they were really expensive you know and dvds didn't catch on till the late 90s uh to be cheap enough for you know everyone to have um, and he was a big proponent to uh, to reformatting his movies because he shot everything super wide, um, you know, in, in the two, three, five, two, four aspect ratio. And uh, so you got a bit of a different movie if you watched the full screen version. You saw things um, in the frame that weren't shown in the uh, theatrical version. Right. As opposed mm-hmm. in for people that, you know, layman's terms, in a widescreen shot you can see two characters understanding an idea at the same time, but in a pan and scan it would cut to one or the other character. Sure. So it would look like they're getting the idea at different times is the best way to describe that. So it is a different effect for the viewer the, and interpretation of it. To be fair, I watched the uh you know two three five theatrical cut of this on, on DVD. But the DVD it's available is a four by three it is not enhanced for widescreen so it is letterboxed and it looks like crap on hd uh, screen i watched it on a 13 inch crt absolutely loved it the quality is fantastic for the screen it's meant for um did you wind up watching this uh i believe you said a vhs maybe uh, no, I was going to go to the VHS, but instead Man, I expanded the picture to, to the point in. of I breaking could zoom in points. on mine, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it looked horrible, tiny, so I watched it. Uh, and of course it looked super you know, sharp, perfect for the one uh, that it was meant for. But yeah, I, I'm just I'm so curious why there has not been. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I mean, there's been well, two he really releases walked... of Titanic of Avatar. Do you why feel... has there not been one of these? Uh, this is what I'm saying. Do you feel like James Cameron in a way? I mean, through the 90s, he, he you know never the most prolific director, sure, but through the 90s, he was at least doing. He was active. Yes. Um, you know, after 2001, which there was supposed to be a sequel to this, by the way, which was really killed by by the terrorist attacks in 2001. Correct. Um, don't you feel like he just lost interest really kind of in the industry in general? I mean, this was true lies was the first movie, the digital domain, uh, did visual effects for this was the company that he created. Um, and he fed for throughout the nineties and, and it kind of helped grow and then sold off. He just gave, kind of gave up in a way. 
Yeah, I mean, not to be and, glib, but you can say, you, you mm-hmm. know, that 9-11 took down more than, you know, they took down a lot, but it also took down well, the movie because Cameron's outlook on, on terrorism mm-hmm. changed. But also, I think Titanic, the, the crazy success that Titanic brought allowed him to be reclusive enough and to focus on these uh, eccentric hobbies of him. You know, he's like a Richard Branson type character mm-hmm. where he's down at the bottom of the ocean and he's out in outer space doing shit. And he's like, I mean, the guy is all over the place. So I think if he hadn't had that success um, and if had Titanic just been a normal hit as opposed to the phenomenon it was, he might have delved delved into uh, True Lies 2 a little bit sooner. We might have seen that pre-9-11. I, I might disagree with that. I mean, I really think that I th- it feels to me like 2001 really changed it because this was a huge hit. I mean, the man's been had nothing but real, relatively huge hits. And I don't know that Titanic was that big of a hit that it. Um, obviously made him a lot of money, but he, I, the guy was rich before he made Titanic. He could have been doing all shit anyways. I mean, this movie in today's dollars, uh, True Lies we're speaking of now, it would have made $285 million today. That's absolutely this, huge. I mean, if the San Andreas headlined by The Rock is not mm-hmm. going to make anywhere near that. And that's the kind of, that's the closest thing we have in today's summer this market. This was the first movie to go production budget into triple digits. The no, most I, expensive I, I, movie made at the no, time as no, well. No, no, no. It, it was a... Uh, Terminator 2 was the first movie to have a $100 million budget, which was a Cameron movie. But no, Cameron this movies, movie was. I, I always heard I it was T2. Terminator 2 was. I always heard that Cameron successively broke his own record for budgets all the way through Titanic. Uh, and then recently now, it's it's kind of normal. But I heard T2 and then True Lies and then Titanic. He kept resetting the record because I heard this was 115. T2 okay, well, was this is 100. what I will say about that. I'm um, sorry. Not to poke holes in your argument there. No, you're right. Well, here's the deal. Terminator 2, depending on who you talk to, is either a couple million over a hundred or, you know, a couple or in the 90s. This movie is 100 to 120. Yeah. Again, you're right. You know, we can't say because obviously we don't have the fucking ledger for <laughs> we don't have the financials for these things. They don't give this shit away. So you're right. You're right. Um, yeah, I can't say for certain, but this for certain Terminator twos may be debatable. This for certain is over a hundred million dollars, but this thing, the money is on the screen. Oh, good Lord. Are you kidding me? Yeah. On the screen, $50 million opening weekend though, isn't uh huge, but it played throughout the summer of 2000 or 1994 in a summer. Very heavily attended year in theater going 1994 that is and this mm-hmm. was i don't want to say considered somewhat of a i remember cameron actually wrote a response piece to premiere magazine back when that was a, a big magazine before the internet was doing all the <laughs> entertainment reporting it was a and, big for a long time yeah and he was defending the film saying you know it made 140 million in 1994 it cost 115 but foreign they're doing this and uh all these mm-hmm. home video market and all you know all this kind of stuff kind of like having to stick up for this movie because it was so expensive. Um, but it, it, it holds up so well that, I, I mean, you're just glad they made it. You know, you just, you're happy that it, it's out. Yeah, but it holds up well for a reason, right? Many and, reasons. And the reason is that it does not get very techno, technological. Yeah, it doesn't it steers get away from that. that. Now, it does, it obviously does show things from the time. You know, we have a Windows uh, you know, 3.0 type interface on the computers, but they don't, it doesn't matter because they're just, they're doing things that even today you wouldn't, you would, you would realize. And while they're truthful to the display, you know, like I say, they're using modern operating systems for the time. Um, Even in today's world, we, you know, they could be using it. We, we don't care. People who don't know, who haven't lived through that, who don't recognize, you know, that all those old windows logos, they're not going to care. They're going to realize, Oh, he's just downloading stuff. And uh, he's breaking into the computers, and that's good, and we're done, you know. So, so they kind of get away with it with staying current in that sense. You know, I remember you're a big fan of Goldeneye, correct? Oh, huge, yeah. I'm not a fan of the Goldeneye. I like the, some of the Brosnan ones, but I'm not a fan of Goldeneye. And I know that I one Goldeneye, in my opinion, gets bogged down in that technology, in that data technology. It does, yeah. 
Uh, and two, this movie came out the summer before GoldenEye, and this was such a good James Bond-type movie, especially in the beginning half, that I, I wanted that James Bond movie to have this sense of fun and adventure. And GoldenEye is a totally different beast, sure. I'll say that. But I just remember being bitterly disappointed that it wasn't more like True Lies. And I guess that's not a, a apples to apples comparison. But I um, love GoldenEye, though. Yeah, I'll... The technology's dated, though, on that one. Well, the technology is dated on this one. Yeah, but, I mean, <laughs> I mean it, it gets really gets. I mean, that to me, it's like a, a technology, mm-hmm. '90s technology movie. Like, ooh, look what you can do, computers and message boards. A little so. bit of that happens in this, but they do steer clear for the most part of this, um, which I think is to do a lot, uh, heavily to do with uh, the, the source material, which a lot of people don't know. This is based on a French film, right? Yeah, which is very so. I've never. Have you seen? I don't think this is widely known. I've French never film. seen the movie, but from what I understand, this is very aside from the ending, you know, and um, a couple plot points here and there, uh, very, very similar to the French movie. I, this doesn't surprise me because there is partial elements of this, especially. It feels a little European, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah. and um, it. it this a lot of movies got remade from foreign flicks. It's just surprising that Cameron Cameron writes all of his own stuff too. So he based sure. his screenplay um, on a, a French movie. Um, but there's a, this is very Cameron. I mean, let's let's be honest here. A lot of this stuff well, it has is Cameron. the Cameron flares. Yeah. And does anybody deliver a one liner like Schwarzenegger? I mean, I love nobody. Stallone, period. Nobody. But, but goddamn it, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, kills the you're fired line. Let's take a break real quick and listen to Arnold talk about True Lies and what it was like making it and his thoughts on the production. True Lies, the James Bond character, Harry Tasker, the character that I play, is the top secret agent, a top spy. And uh, just like James Bond, except he's married. And uh, his uh, wife and his family and no one else knows what his profession is. They think that he's a computer salesman. Jim has uh, hit a new territory when it comes to directing, and he has uh, shown again his talent, uh, that he has so much talent in, in doing different things, and uh, not just what one expects of him. So in this movie, you have something that is uh, you know, quite unique, because you have the size and the scope of a T2, but at the same time, you have uh, other things that, very, that are very James Bondian that people really will, uh, will enjoy. This was a film that was shot in kind of epic proportions. I mean, huge, gigantic uh, uh, proportions, the way you see the film, you know, with Harrier jets and helicopters and bridges blowing up in, in, a, in, a, in a movie, you know, uh, endless amount of vehicles taking dives into the, into the, into the ocean. And um, I, mean, I mean, there's just things that you see in this film that, one, that people haven't seen for a while, I mean, or have never seen before. All right, we're back. So let's start breaking down the story a little bit here. Uh, when the movie started, and it goes in, and it begins, and they're on the remote location, and it's the mm-hmm. snow top, and Schwarzenegger's underwater. Doesn't it already just feel like an old school Bond flick to me when you're, sure, when you're well, underwater and he's in the tuxedo right away? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things when we when I think about uh, comparing movies to James Bond movies, uh, what comes up immediately in my mind is uh, X Men First Class, and one of the things that made that. So apparently James Bond was the Michael Fassbender, uh, you know, underwater stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what I, what I kind of keyed in on here as well, thinking, oh, you know, this definitely feels James Bond because of that. But, you know, beyond that, even go beyond to the end of this opening sequence and you get it on Her Majesty's Secret Service type type of a deal. or, or um, You're right, when he's going down the when hill. When he's going down the hill, yeah. And on the, on, he's, he's not on, I think they were on skis in the other one, right? Right, but no, you're right. James Bond, but he's on a jet, not a jet ski, but a, a snowmobile, whatever. No, he's not even on that, is he? But they, are, the bad guys are. But it feels like a James Bond movie because of the snow and the hill and, and him having to, to come down. That's a very James Bondish. Well, and he, being in a tuxedo, let's be honest, he's at sure. a ball, and it's all, it's all motivated by where he's going sure. to. I'll give him that. Uh, and you said he breaks into the the, the bad guy's office. He's got the Windows ninety four, and he down, yeah, screen. he hooks up the, the the um you know the guys in the van. Obviously, Tom Arnold uh, did a great job as a sidekick, but also and so's um, Grant Heslov, who's uh, Clint's writing partner. Yeah, um, uh, who uh, uh, plays the 
I guess the Indian. He's a little. I don't kind of an intern, I guess. Racist, but he's kind. He's an Indian guy. He's playing (laughs) the computer guy. Yeah, but uh, um, but a great job. Yeah, and and with the computer stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so Schwarzenegger, I like in this scene because it goes, or Cameron, I should say, because he wrote it, goes mm-hmm. from the the high tech, if you will, with the Windows ninety four download to the immediate low tech, where he's got the old uh, mirror out, looking down the hallway to see where mm-hmm. the guards coming from. And I just love that juxtaposition there of like these little tricks that he's using to get around and um, and that that gets upgraded right to the cigarette package with the uh, glasses uh, with the the CC right. TV stuff, and that's how really how this movie plays off. Which the setups and payoffs in this are pretty uh, consistent and really amazing because you look at, um, I mean that's one of them right there. There's a setup and a payoff right there, which is so simple. But this whole thing is a setup, right? With him. This is his secret life and then him going through this and then he's going to go home and he's going to lie to his wife. And later on, um, she's going to lie to him. This is also to me. I mean, Wayne's world had Tia Carrera, but this is really Tia Carrera. Why did she just not do more movies? Because she's so great. (laughs) She was great in this. Good Lord. She's good in Wayne's world. I'm at a loss to where her career went bad, but. Uh, yeah, Relic Hunter is my my first guess. Yeah, I know. <laughs> sure, sure, but you know. uh, but so he meets her at the party, Juno Skinner, and unlike a Bond flick that has just kind of a, a perfunctory opening sequence, this at least all ties into the movie because these characters will be reseen again. Um, well, they do the tango, right? Which plays right. The yeah, they do the tango, well. and then the, the chase ensues. They I mean, get the out whole of movie there. Is so well tied together. I love when they get back home and Schwarzenegger's about to get out of the car to go into mm-hmm. the house and Gibby, Tom Arnold's character, and Tom Arnold, this is this is the movie that made Tom Arnold. Tom Arnold's so good. It really made the movie's career. I mean, to I me, I Tom still Arnold. like Tom Arnold because of this movie. Yeah. And Exit Wounds, he does something very similar to this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, very successful in that as well. But I love when he gives Schwarzenegger's character the snow globe. Uh, because mm-hmm. really, that character, the Tom Arnold character, is more of the family man. He thinks more, well, he's just more of the family than and for that, And it plays out later on when he's advising Schwarzenegger on, you know, he's joking around with him on the fact that his wife is, is cheating on him, this and that. But then suddenly that turns into, a, you know, he tells him, well, this is why. You know, he's more in tune with people necessarily than, than Schwarzenegger is. And, you know, in a weird way, Schwarzenegger is kind of, to me, the idea was here's a guy who is living this secret life, this this separate life, and is thinking, um, you know, his family is missing, kind of missing out on his life, like they don't know him. But in reality, he's missing out on his family's life, and he doesn't know their like their regular life is actually their secret life, and he's missing out on that. Yeah, he doesn't know his daughter's a thief who's stealing money from his right. partner, um, and that she's running around with his boy. And there's all sorts of little things like that like, that support your uh, your argument there. In that first act, because uh, we're basically coming to the end of the first act here, mm-hmm. um, it's set up that Schwarzenegger's character is constantly late and can't be there, and the joke is that he's out saving the world. You know, she's not, he's not he's out saving the world, but he actually right. is. Cut to the him, and there are two great set pieces in that first act. Uh, the first set piece is him in coming down the, the hill with the, uh, in the snow at the mansion. And then the second set piece is the one that starts in the bathroom fight and goes all the way into a chase between a motorcycle and a horse and ends up on the top roof of a Marriott. I mean, that is just... That, the movie right there just shows you how gargantuan it is. It's just an epic movie. And, and those sequences are staged so well. Um, that you're just, I, I'm, to me, I'm hooked. After I see that, I'm just, I'm ready for anything the movie's going to throw at me at that point. Yeah, I'd agree. The only, the only thing that, problem that I had with that is, where was the pool at that he jumps into? Because yeah. <laughs> they never show you, they never give you a good spatial representation of where the hell that guy's jumping off the building to. Uh, I just remember when he actually took off you know, on that, and I remember I, I was I saw that movie when I was very young with somebody, and uh, and somebody there was a police officer, and they said that that horse will never do that, and the horse you know dug in its feet, and I thought sure it never did it. Yeah, I love that because like that's it, it, even though it's not Schwarzenegger hanging off the side of that, that looks so good. All of that that early visual effects work looks really good in that sequence to this day. 
21 years later. Is well, really then cool. this is uh, Digital Domain's first uh, visual effects movie, right? Yeah, yeah. The the effects company founded by James Cameron. So, it, we, we have, who knew that you know Schwarzenegger's character and uh, Arnold's character was working for Shield? Basically, I mean, are these guys not working for Nick Fury? I mean, Charlton Heston comes through, and uh, he's running the joint with the patch over his eye. There, yeah, that's that's probably the most confusing part of this movie. Actually, really, the most unnecessary part of the movie is Charlton Heston. Who's just kind of in it to be in it, right? Oh, yes. I mean, he doesn't even need to be in it at all. He's yeah. just there. He adds nothing to it. He's just kind of the the head of the command, you know. Um, but no, it's it, when they're walking through the security and the whole nine. I just thought that's mm-hmm. obviously like some sort of Shield comic book um, nod here. And I wonder if Cameron is a, a comic book guy because he did spend a lot of time adapting spider-man which never got off the ground so he might have been steeped in that mythology mm-hmm. i wonder you might be right it's um but it is a spy thing you know and that's kind of a spy aspect right is to have the boss i love that so. this movie starts did you notice that it starts visually very cold in the snow and there's a lot of rain mm-hmm. and whatnot and by the end we end up in the keys and it's very sunny and bright even though um, and this movie's got balls. I mean, they set off a nuclear bomb. Let's not forget the terrorists actually set off a nuclear bomb in this movie. You want to talk about balls? The 90s movies in general have some of the biggest balls of any movies I've ever seen because they are some of the most inappropriate movies um, that you will ever watch. This movie has is an act. This movie's technically an action comedy, right? Um, yet the action is at times sobering. To the to the comedic uh, performances, you know, and it's and at times the comedic performances are out of place. Yeah, I mean, to say the least, when he at the end of the movie, when he's going to save us, his daughter's in danger. She's about to die. Let's stop for a comedic <laughs> joke about how he can't really fly the plane very well. You know, and then well, he be- goes and then they take this terrorist guy who earlier on in the movie slaps Ty Carrera's character. Which is uh, to me the most sobering uh, part of the movie, where they slap like, you twice. Like this dude is for real. Like no fucking jokes are out. Like this dude's for real. Like that to me was just like, well, wow, this is yeah, that's great, you know. Um, which this movie's been uh, proclaimed to be sexist for that, but I still I stand by that. That's a wonderful scene um, that totally legitimizes him as a bad guy. And then in the end, they take that and they make some Buster Keaton, you know, Three Stooges thing where they break his nuts on, on the tail in, uh, end of a Harrier jet you know? <laughs> and send him off, as you said, you know, you're all fired and then shoot him off at the fucking helicopter on the thing. It's kind of like, it's like, wow, how, how completely opposite, how like just inappropriate is really the only word you can say for it. But these were the pre-2001 types of movies that we had, you know, and I love them. And the bad guy uh, is only referenced as Sand Spider in the movie, and that's because it probably mm-hmm. sounds scary as Grant Heslop. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line, you know, because it probably sounds scary. That's why they call him that. Um, you know, at this at this point in the movie, Schwarzenegger's character goes and meets his wife, who he feels bad for lying to all these years for lunch, and then finds out that she actually has lunch plans with a, a used car salesman who's pretending to be a spy and this is this is where the movie i mean the first 40 minutes of this movie are now gone and for the next mm-hmm. hour it really turns into this for something that's a, an action comedy action romantic this comedy if you will the french movie was if yes you re- this, if you read what the french movie is about it has to be this part this is what satirical. the french movie is about the the opening sequence and thing it has spy stuff in it but obviously the end sequence is completely james cameron and the opening sequence sounds a, a, a lot like James Cameron. And the middle part, the meat of this movie um, is very much what the French movie is. And that's it. And to me, I don't know about you. I really think that's the best part of the movie. And I d- completely disagree with Siskel and Ebert's uh, review of it. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Let's break real quick and let our audience listen to Siskel and Ebert's original review of 1994's True Lies. And we'll come back with our thoughts on what they had to say. This week, Siskel and Ebert review super spy Arnold Schwarzenegger battling terrorism and trying to save his marriage in true lies. 
I'm Gene Sisko of the Chicago Tribune. And I'm Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times. Our first movie is the summer's big Arnold Schwarzenegger blockbuster, said to cost more than $120 million. And I got to tell you, I could see where most of the money went. True Lies has stunts and special effects like I've rarely seen before, even in a Schwarzenegger movie. And that airplane scene develops into one of the most incredible, off-the-wall, imaginative action sequences I've seen in any Schwarzenegger film. Unfortunately, the terrific action that opens and closes the movie is interrupted in the middle for a long sequence where the spy thinks his wife is cheating on him, and so he sets a test for her in a scene that I thought was basically cruel and not very funny. It slows things down for a while, but the stuff that does work in this movie works so well, I don't have any hesitation voting thumbs up for True Lies, which shows Arnold Schwarzenegger back again as king of the hill of the action star. You know, Roger, we saw the picture, I think, the same way, and yet my thumb is down. Really? Uh, I, the opening is fun. It's the James Bond picture we haven't had. The opening is the James Bond picture we haven't had since Connery retired. Yeah. The ending is spectacular. Yeah. It'll have people cheering, and reasonably so. That's great. But when you said a long sequence in the middle, I don't think people realize how long that is. I think it's a half an hour. Mm -hmm. This whole ridiculous plot which is cruel. All it is is Jamie Lee Curtis sticking her chest out. That's what that whole That's half right. an hour yeah. of the picture is. It's demeaning to her. It, it breaks the film down completely. And in addition, there's, a, there's a, another subplot, which is she's involved with a guy who's pretending to be a spy. Mm -hmm. Bill Paxton, good actor, but a dumb, stupid yeah. plot. Not high-tech, not smart. It's like there's bookends well, I, to garbage I in the middle. I agree with you, Gene, yet at the same time, if you ask people, what are they going to an Arnold Schwarzenegger picture for, this movie is going to give it to them in a way they haven't seen it before. But Roger, that I have, sequence at the end. It is great. You've got, and it lasts I'm not a long to admit time, it. I said and it, it just builds one thing it's after another after another. But people uh, would be really missing something uh, if they didn't I, see that. But Roger, so have them come in at the end, because I'm telling well, you, the, I mean, no, 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 the middle chunk of that picture is deadly, boring, and insulting. All right, so you were saying that you disagree with what they had to say. I do and Why I don't. That? I understand what they're saying. You know, you know, Siskel, or Ebert, rather, is basically saying, you know, the best parts of this movie are the action sequences. And I disagree. You know, the parts that I really get into are the character parts of this. When he's, uh, you know, doing the horrible thing of messing with his wife and stuff it makes sense to me. And it's set up in the sense because he's so insecure, you know, at that point. And he's setting it up to give her what... In a way, he doesn't. When he when they interrogate her, you know, it's kind of horrible. I think it really that's the is. weakest scene in the movie, though. I will. I say disagree that. because he doesn't know at that point that she's that she's not guilty. He's angry and he's angry at her. But um, in it's a, a wonderful way, he actually makes a huge connection with her. You know, and it's a deep connection. It's not just some like little piddling thing. It's a it's a real thing. She's really feels like she's in danger. Um, he knows that she's not, and so she's definitely telling the truth. Um, I I still think that scene is not as strong as the other scenes in that second act. Um, I think that's the that one may be true, but that's I, I don't I don't know that that's I, I okay. <laughs> I just think it's it, 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 you think it hurts I, the movie then. I just think it's not. Yeah, I just. I mean, I disagree. I think it's not cruel. I don't think it's cruel. I don't think it's cruel. As they said. Yeah, I don't. I do actually think it's a little bit cruel to her character, but I think it's necessity. It's not. He's being cruel for a reason. You know, he has a reason, and at the end of it, he feels bad. You know. You know who feels worse is Gibby, who keeps sending her on. He's the one who really feels. But he understands it, and we knew that before going into it because he explains it to to Schwarzenegger's character to a Harry Tasker who doesn't, who just doesn't listen, right? He doesn't give a shit. He's just, he's, he's blinded by anger and it makes sense. The live wire of the second act is, has to be the naval lint himself, Bill Paxton. <laughs> I mean, the self-proclaimed. Who is naval wonderful. I mean, Bill Paxton is he the looks every like a used man. car salesman. Doesn't is he not the every <laughs> man a in a James Cameron guy. movie? He's, I mean, he's the guy well, in Game Over, man. Game, game over, over, man. <laughs> he's, he's this guy. He's he's your guy in Titanic. Take us back to the heart of the ocean, Rose. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is this is our entry point into a lot of these stories. But in this, he's the fucking guy who's just trying to get some ass and stumbles upon the wrong situation. And the whole sequence where they find out, I love the scene when they've bugged, they've bugged the couple at lunch 
and they're mm-hmm. listening and they realize that he's full of shit and that he's taking credit for Schwarzenegger's yeah. action. I love the cutting back to, to Arnold and Schwarzenegger in the car um, because of the fact that to me they're like two 15-year-olds at that point. I mean they're like giggling. Like, like, they, like they're listening in mm-hmm. on a conversation. I love – the camaraderie of that point. And I think that's where a lot of the good nature of uh, where I don't think it's cruel. I think it's just kind of immature what they're doing. But that's not exactly. I mean, you're right in that. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And in that sense, they realize that he's completely harmless, but then that shifts the focus onto her. You know, what has she done to him, which is what, you know, as angry as he has been uh, with both of them, he even when he went to go, you know, check this guy out and he test drove the car and shit, he didn't do anything. He thought about killing the guy. Right. And they have that scene where right. he thinks about killing, Wonderful. but he, he doesn't do it. Right. So it makes I, I just I think I disagree with the cruel stuff. It makes sense to me that, that he does that uh, to her. And who doesn't remember? I mean, the the probably the scene from this movie really is the Jamie Lee Curtis uh, a sexy dance scene. And I know that people, Siskel and Ebert said that they hated it. And they thought it was cruel as well, but it is the, it's the remember scene. And it's, you know, throughout this movie, as inappropriate as it is, there is comedy, you know, and it's, it's there's definitely when she falls on the floor, you know, I remember people laughing um, in the theater. I, I, I just remember this going over better um, than, than those two. Yeah, it did. I, to be, you know? I remember. Well, I was 15, so I remember going over really well. But I also remember people <laughs> laughing uh, when he tells her to dance. She starts dancing. Right. He says, "No, no, no, dance sexy." I mean, mm-hmm. that was that got a laugh. This played uh, like gangbusters in a theater. Uh, the laugh that I remember that got a huge laugh in this movie was later on in the movie when she asked him, "Have you killed anybody?" He says, "Yeah, yes. but they were all bad." That, that was a trailer moment. But that still killed in a theater. Mm-hmm. I saw this two times in a theater, and that's killed both times. It, having played in a trailer all you know all year leading up to that, so just uh, great writing here. But you're right, the comedy element of that, and then as she's dancing. Um, they they bring it into a romantic moment, and then she smashes Harry in the head. Yeah. But I always they wondered how he was going to get himself well. into, you know, the terrorists break in and kidnap them both, leading into the third mm-hmm. act. But I always was wondering how he was going to get himself out of that whole thing uh, if the terrorists hadn't busted in, because he was in deep shit at that point with his wife. But well, um, yeah, he would have had to explain it. A lot of explaining. That'd so, have been uh, a boring movie. <laughs> but as that third act starts. Mm-hmm. That to me is when this movie kicks into just kick ass mode and it just is a supercharged 45 minutes to the end. Because in that last 45 minutes, there's three set pieces there there's the island mm-hmm. set piece, there's the the bridge set piece, and then there's well, the Harriet. And throughout all of it, they're playing on, you know, I mean, Tom Arnold's obviously showing up more towards the end of that, but they're playing on the, the taskers, you know. Um, and on the bad guys as well. And there's a lot of comedy kind of in that. It's a great moment when she gets him when he's on the truth serum. You know, sure. when I mean, when she realizes he's a he's a spy and she punches the shit out of him, and and you know Ty Carrera's character is like, oh, this will be interesting. Let's let's keep these guys alive. You know, in a sense, just to fuck with them. Right. Yeah, I love I me. Mean, I love that sequence there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, on the island when they finally do get to the island and and they're. Uh, in the midst of being interrogated and she's asking the questions she wants to because he has the truth serum in his body. Um, and then when the guy walks in, even the bad guy, and this isn't he's in a romantic moment or anything, when he tells him, this is how I'm going to kill you. Schwarzenegger's delivery in that sequence is fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really, a lot of his performances are overlooked because of this, that, and the other. But this amongst Total Recall, you can't look these things over. I mean, that, those are performances. Um, and he's good in this movie. He nails all of his beats that he has to, um, from being playing insecure, immature, uh, to macho, uh, to kind of like a, a, a dweebish dad. He, he all those beats he's yeah. on in this movie. I, I will give him that. And even from costume design, I mean, they have him wearing kind of old man looking clothes at one point or another uh, when he's home with his family. And the next thing you know, he's you know ripped his shit out out in the field shooting people. And you're just like. Okay, well, there's some costume design changes Listen, there. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one the, – the, probably the major issue I have with this movie with movies like this. Actually, there's one other issue that I have with this, but um, when does he work out? Yeah. I'm seriously, the dude's fucking ripped his shit. You're telling me this guy is a computer salesman, a computer software salesman, and he doesn't 
And when is he working out? Come on. Well, hey, I just saw San Come Andreas, on. and let me tell you what, The Rock when would is the die rock of hunger. Out? Okay. <laughs> when <laughs> is he working, working out? out? All the time and eating all the time. Not only so. that, yeah, to, to maintain the, the body mass that these guys have to maintain, I mean, the workout alone and then eating is ridiculous. They're eating small children and animal farmers. <laughs> um, but the, the, the third act there, when they get on the bridge, the bridge sequence, I love when they're in the airplane. Which is probably and, one of the most famous action sequences of all time. Because it looks about fucking it. great, man. That thing looks great. Yeah. When they shoot those missiles, that shit looks tits. Um, but when they're in the airplane and, and they, you know, are the missiles going to set off the nukes? And he goes, no, no, you're good. And Arnold <laughs> looks at Tom Arnold and gives him that, that like, yeah. oh, shit. Look, I fucking love that. But throughout the whole, the, yeah, that whole sequence, they do that. And it really throughout the whole movie, they have a great um camaraderie they really do i mean arnold has tom arnold that is has so many great (laughs) moments in this it really made it i don't know why he didn't continue doing the sidekick thing he he really shouldn't have done big bully or carpool or the stupids or any other (laughs) of the movies that he did he just i I don't think he had a choice you know that's true he is tom arnold i think rob scheider was taking up all the good jobs (laughs) But regardless, yeah, you're right. I mean, the whole um, the other scene, well, the bridge sequence, obviously. But from that, if you lift another scene that um, were shot, I guess at this point that that people most remember is him pulling her from the limo. You know. Yeah, that that was another trailer shot. I mean, that was just a beautiful shot, and for special effects as well. Um, I this movie, remember this movie, not a, nominated for any other Academy Awards other than special effects, and the special effects in this for the time, you know, hands down, phenomenal. And I think it lost to Forrest Gump, which had all those extra special. It had a effects, lot of other will. things as well. Yeah, well, you know, they took what's his name's legs off and shit. They did some really great shit on Forrest and Gump. put Forrest Gump in stock footage of the yeah, president. So things like that. Of course. May, may be fair to have lost to that, but this as well, you know, for the time was just deserving of the triple digit special uh, budget. Right. Yeah. Like you I said, where it went. On yeah. yeah. We were talking about this and we were talking about nineties and this being technologically sound for the nineties. I have to say, Something that happened in the 90s quite a bit if you were a 90s kid was when you had a video camera and the batteries ran out like within five <laughs> minutes. Yeah. And that happens in such a great – everybody I remember laughed in the theater because everybody knew what that feeling was like to be recording something and the battery just go out on you because those early video camera batteries wouldn't hold a charge for no. shit. I love that scene. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he's scared for obvious reasons. He's scared because he's really surprised. Kind of- why does he not get slapped? It's a bit so surprising more. that he doesn't get shot, right? I mean, T. Carrera got slapped twice for talking shit, and that doesn't catch anything. Uh, this yeah. movie was heavily protested too at the time um, for a, you know racial insensitivity and, and, and whatnot. Sexist but stuff, yeah. um, and you know, looking back on it now, it's such a lark uh, that it, it seems so. I don't know, silly in a way, but it's very violent. I mean, this movie is extremely violent in a lot of ways. I mean, mm-hmm. Arnold has to snap five necks yeah. in in one sequence or another, and that's just this breaking necks. Um, but what, what's your personal it's favorite? It's not bloody though. Action scene in this movie though. It's rated R. There's no nudity, and it's not really bloody. So yeah, it's not overtly bloody. It's comic book violence. My favorite action scene is yeah, is hands down you know the bridge. Is the bridge, yeah. It might be my favorite action sequence of all time. You know, it's really, and it's nothing special, but it just works moment after moment. And, you know, it's something that shouldn't go on as long as it does, but it does, and it works. I think my favorite action, I mean, I love that sequence, but my favorite action sequence is that chase um, between the the horse and the motorcycle, great as well. Yeah. Uh, just because the thing starts off, I mean, that, the whole sequence. I mean, it starts off in a bathroom with those mm-hmm. glasses in a small fight that leads to hiding in the stall. But is that even so the same sequence? Things. That's why I'm talking about the the bridge thing, saying that it goes on too long. You know, is it even fair to call these a single sequence? Because they're almost, you know, you break it down and they're they're more than one, right? 
Yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's why I put them in a three separate. I put the you know location changes because there's so many things. Yeah, going on. huge. Uh, and huge then the Harrier jet at the end, which actually has its own little mini movie going on there with the news <laughs> reporter and the girl escaping. Oh, God. And, um, you know, you go on and above, but this movie ends in in real style here with the taskers, like you, which you had been alluded to, working together mm-hmm. now officially. And I love that they run in to Simon, the Bill Paxton character there at the end, who once again is pulling his shtick on some broad acting like he's a waiter when he really is a waiter. Because um, it's just a great little payoff because at that point you've totally forgotten about that Simon character. And they didn't need that in there. Which is but, all from the French film to be fair. Oh, is it? Okay, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. So That's yeah, what perfect. I mean by this being, aside from the obvious, you know, big budget. And a tango. What's this being... Right. Aside from the big budget action sequences that are clearly James Cameron and because of the budget, it's it seems to fairly follow the French film, um, you know, directly. I don't think he has a daughter in the French one or she doesn't get taken anyways. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Every, everything ties so neatly together in this, right? It really does. And for a two hour and 20 minute movie, this thing moves like a, like a bolt of lightning for me. How about you? I loved it because it, every segment, everything is different. Everything leads, just like we say, just like you know, we, we describe the action sequences as more than one sequence in a way. This movie's like that. You know, every act is different. You know, like I said, the first it starts with him, it moves to her, right, and then she does the same thing to him, and then they're together, and then it moves into the third act. It's like it's just every every act has something so interesting happening that is so different from every other act. It, it's about him, her, and then them, basically. Yeah, is how it kind of works out in as the focus of the story, um, and it constantly it builds upon each other. And just like we were, you know, taught in basics of storytelling that. Mm-hmm. It all is leading up to momentum to to a peak. This movie has momentum in it. I mean, this thing goes. And it was no problem for me to get through this, uh, even though I, you know, scheduling wise, I had to break it into two sittings. Sure. But um, it, it was not a problem, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed going back and watching this. So I'm, I'm glad we picked this one because uh, it's been a while well, since I, yeah. I saw any an auto movie in general. And they really they changed after this because after the I mean, in in chronological order. This was supposed to be made before Last Action Hero. Arnold had signed on to do this, but he had to make mm-hmm. it after that. And really, I think in doing so, you, you got to imagine he's making this as Last Action Hero's tanking. And there had to be a little extra something put behind this, I feel like. I a like little Last extra desire. <laughs> so do I, but it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not nearly the movie this is. It, it's way, um, well, you know, we talked about Batman being. Sure. I mean, this movie really kind is of a in the movie mess. It, that it, that it is to be fair this to me though it's was dated, back when movies so. were bigger than life though I, yes. this was, was yes. like I said gargantuan is the only way I can mm-hmm. describe this it was a bigger than life experience but it's kind of the, the star norm now yeah, in a way is. so it kind of ruins it uh, and even in 94 we were getting there like I said with the movies now like the heavy special mm-hmm. effects the mask the Forrest Gump this uh, there was a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff already seeping into the. the well, all the things. I mean, you talk about Last Action Hero tanking, but Last Action Hero is a very smart movie, you know. And Arnold's always picked smart movies, um, even though they haven't done well, you know. And it, interestingly enough, I don't know if you sent an article to me or if, if I showed it to you even. But there was a guy that wrote an article about Arnold's last few movies that he's made uh, since he's been out of the office, and they've they've all been relatively smart. And the one that's clearly going to make money is going to be Terminator. And the other ones really are kind of a loss, you know. And it's unfortunate because today's audience is, is you know, and I'm just going to say it, they're dumb. It's no, true. Still- but it is true. Look at the The movies are dumber today than they have been in the past. And this isn't a, oh, you're just old, you know, things have changed. No, I don't give a shit. You know, change the way movies are made, fine. Um, but the movies are literally less smart than they were back in the day you know there there's less to them there just really is they're more just straight action and so it kind of irks me to see the Siskel and Eber thing where they talk about you know the meat of the movie you know is no good but the action sequence are good and you think well what's the fucking point of that you know do you really did is that really what you expected to, to go watch when you watch an Arnold movie because all a lot of his other movies aren't necessarily just you know they're not just random action. 
Yeah, I, I didn't agree with what they said on that. Um, but I do think that the action parts of this movie make this movie. I think the other stuff just enhances it for me because it, it, it takes a little bit of the, mm-hmm. you know, you get a chance to breathe and laugh and, and care about these people in a certain sense. And then um, it goes on. to this What if you didn't have so you, But I mean, the truth of the matter is, is, is this. If you didn't have the other stuff, you just had the action. You, you still think this would be worth watching? I think it'd be fucking stupid. No, it would just be an exercise in style. You need that. Which is the style. point that I'm saying. That, so the that's the thing that matters the most is the, is not the action. It's the story. That's what matters the most. But right? the action in this is so well executed. It is. It's by very Cameron. good. But who can say it's James Cameron? You know, uh, granted, okay, fine. You know, he could make a, a shitty scene look really good and direct it very well. Fine, but that's not going to save the movie. This movie's just brawny to me, though. I mean, everything about it's just brawny. Everything just seems big. It's big. Yeah. It's, everything's big in this fucking movie. Like, there's tractors and shit, and just like a big Harrier <laughs> jets. And it's like everything's yeah. it's like everything is oversized in this movie as it continues to go on. You know, and I just I love that about. Well, that this was movie. the the other thing that I thought there were, there is some poor writing in this when you when you work in the James Cameron stuff. For instance, why do the the Harrier jets land? They would never. They would never land. They would fly back to their – they would be gone. But they land stupidly for no reason so Schwarzenegger can get in them and we can have an action sequence. You know, that it, it doesn't – it's – I don't know. It's part of the whole 90s inappropriateness in a way where, you know, you have a French movie that's about something that probably has a lot more meaning than this movie does. And you kind of miss the point just to throw in some action sequences, right? That American, that the dumb American audiences are going to love. Yeah. Doesn't that kind of throw it off balance a little bit? To me, it does. It throws it off a little bit. And we could have handled that somehow a little bit better. Even though I love it. I never questioned it because I, I just enjoy the scene. I just I, I do too, Tom but Arnold I still there's a thing in the back of my head. I'll sign for it. You sign for. He's got that. <laughs> I know. I love when he fucking runs over the cop car and the damn thing. He can't fucking fly. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it is good. I'm not. I'm not denying that. It just doesn't necessarily fit. There's a there's a, there's an imbalance between you know the violence and the seriousness of this and the comedy. Let's talk a little bit about the marketing of this movie. How about that? Because this thing was out and about for a long time in, in coming, and this had um, a novelization that I actually own, <laughs> which is a, which is a great thing. Um, but it also wow. had a video game, which I was unaware of. But you I apparently played, played it. Video game? It wasn't very good. It wasn't very good, huh? What what what, no. uh, what format did you have it on? Um, I. I had a Super Nintendo, so but I had friends that had. I can't remember where exactly I played. I rented it, you know. I did. I did not own this. Oh yeah, I mean, you could rent video games. Remember uh, that? That was yeah, great. Yeah, I know. That was lovely. You had a weekend to beat this. Go. Uh-huh. <laughs> Don't well, they were trouble. they were. Well, they were far easier back then. Yes. Actually, that's not true. Some of them were painstakingly impossible. I um, I just can't believe I never knew this had a video game adaption. And in doing research for the show, I came across this gem. Take a listen I here remember. to the commercial for the Sega version of the True Lies video games. True Lies explodes onto your favorite video game system. It's up to you to battle fanatical terrorists and save the world from nuclear destruction from a crane. All right, so you you recall playing this thing, huh? I was gonna say, get... The best thing... Um, when we were kids, I was reading comic books, and my favorite part of the comic books was the Nintendo ads <laughs> <laughs> for video games. I remember seeing this one and wanting to play it and playing it and not liking it. <laughs> Speaking of Schwarzenegger one in comic books, I had a comic book adaptation of True Lie or uh, Total Recall. Did you ever call that? Hmm. Did you ever no. have one? No. You see that? No. Hmm. I had one for Total Recall hmm. and for the Dolph Lundgren starring The Punisher movie. Oh. Yeah, very peculiar to make comic book adaptations of hard R action films back Well, then. I mean, The Punisher was obviously yeah, well, a comic I, book before that. So. I, well done, But sir. it is interesting that they made a Dolph Lundgren version. Uh, but I never played True Life. Did you beat the game? Or did you... Uh... No, I, I don't think I played it too much. It was okay, but... The, you know, a lot of the, a lot of those games, even back then, the movie tie-in games were you know button mashers and um, 
Not particularly the, the greatest games. Yeah, you know, the the Schwarzenegger tie-in games that I can recall was Total Recall, sure, which was which I had for regular Nintendo, and you said oh. this, and uh, there's a even though he wasn't in Predator the, Two, uh, there was a Predator Two game out there. I want to say really? for Sega CD. The Terminator Two game was horrendous. But the arcade um, version is the probably my oh, favorite that's great, arcade but that, of all time. But that's one with the with, with a gun. But the Sega Two uh, or the Sega arcade version is okay. Mm-hmm. I want to say, but this is the arcade one. But I I had um one that wasn't. You actually up. control him on the screen, and it was so hard. You had no idea what to do, <laughs> and you couldn't figure it out, and there was nothing on the screen to do. So finally you'd figure it out, and you get past the first thing. You'd be like, what the fuck do I do now? And you just die. Ah, it was horrible. I hated it. That sounds like uh, – the thing that they didn't have was a, a junior video game, which they should have had because uh-huh. they just been trying to you know, impregnate the egg. That's what I – yeah, I would have done just, <laughs> just trying to fuck Schwarzenegger the whole time. <laughs> That's what you I'm know, doing. That's what I do now. Ebert had a good point one time when he said, "Why is it, you know, okay to think of, or so not so far fetched to think of Schwarzenegger as a barbarian, but to think of him as pregnant is just outlandish." And I guess that's a good point. In well, I don't know that that was the problem with that movie. I think you missed the point, of the <laughs> issue there. I mean, intellectually, that movie I just get sucks. It, that movie sucks. <laughs> yeah. The issue wasn't. I have a hard time believing Arnold Schwarzenegger is pregnant. The issue is, I, I really don't give a fuck if he's pregnant. Yeah, that, movie, that movie is horrible. It was uh, under the dog shit side. Uh, Speaking of mo- other movies, did you ever see a Tom Arnold movie called The Kid and I? No, was that the one with the handicapped boy? Wonderful movie. Yeah, you were a big Starring fan. Starring a handicapped kid. This movie stars Tom Arnold. Well, you know, we never got a sequel to True Lies, obviously. They were planning one. 2001 happened. They were planning one, you know, well, we heard inklings of one about five years ago. That never happened. And obviously James Cameron is busy making Smurf movies. So <laughs> Better known as Avatar, the phenomenon. Yeah, that's all I can make now. So fine. Uh, but we did get The Kid and I, which was a, a movie that came out uh, 10 years ago. And it's just a, really a heartwarming, great movie. If you love film, uh, check this movie out. And Tom Arnold's, you know, just wonderful in this. Um, what's about a guy, Tom Arnold play, basically plays a, a caricature of himself. Um, it, it, for real, like starred in true lies and all that stuff and is going to try to kill himself, you know, winds up not being able to accomplish that and is hired by a very rich billionaire, um, to help his son who is, um, mentally challenged, uh, who wants to be, uh, you know, a movie star. And they essentially make a True Lies sequel that is, you know, kind of a sweeted uh, type version of this. Uh, but a wonderful cameos in this. You know, Lyndall Hamilton's in this. Henry Winkler, both Schwarzenegger and Curtis uh, cameo in this. Um, Ariel Kebbles in it. Um, but just a wonderful movie as far as like a heartwarming type, um, you know, love of film type film, the type movies go. Reminds me of a. I never saw it, but it sounds like Son of Rainbow. Remember that? A, a little bit, uh, yeah, kind of like that, but not. I mean, more. Yeah, I don't know. More. Less. Did they call it Son of Rambo, or was it Rainbow in the end? Did they, did they actually no, go it's with Son Rambo? Of Rambo? Okay, I, I don't know if they thought they might have changed it for the. For the yeah, copyright they, thing, they got but, away with it. <laughs> oh, they did get away with it, didn't they? I, guess, I, yeah. I remember you talking about this, and, and I'm gonna put this on my Netflix queue because I forgot that I wanted to see this. So this is a nice little tie-in then with uh, True Lies. This is kind of the, the yeah. unofficial sequel, if you will. Well, I guess Tom Arnold finally got smart and figured, you know, figured out how there to will be one. There will be a, a, a sequel, so I guess I'll do this one. I'm upset that Cameron never used Arnold again. Could have used him somewhere. I mean, really, the guy. He I, could have worn blue body paint. Honestly, he could have been the fat guy <laughs> working with Bill Paxton on the There's... Titanic. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, he James Cameron did does have a tendency to use, you know, the same people. Uh, you talk about True Lies, obviously, um, cinematographer Russell Carpenter on this worked on another James Cameron movie called uh, Titanic. I don't know if anyone's heard of it. Won an Academy Award for it, so good for him. Um, and obviously, one of the most beautifully lit scenes I've probably ever seen in my life is in this movie. 
uh, when she goes to the hotel to, to do the strip dance for him, which is just gorgeous, gorgeous blue, you know, cold and, and warm. Warm lighting. That. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just a gorgeous color of blue. I still this is just that Cameron mesmerizing. Blue is, it's is, like emerald green almost. But that Cameron blue is so pronounced in almost all of his movies from Aliens to Terminator 2. Sure. Um, to this. I mean, I mean, his streets. When I think of a Cameron th- film, I think of that dark in that blue, really, even the, the T2. This wasn't uh, even a dark blue, though. I, I just think but, of that blue, yeah, though. Right. You know what I mean? But you're right he with that hot and cool colors. Have a lot and of the fireplace in the background with her dancing. I mean, it's, it's gorgeously lit. Um, yeah, this movie. That. I mean, the, 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 great. the score as well, you know, by Brad Fidel is, is just uh, really great. And this, and he, of course, did uh, The Terminator, you know, and who doesn't know The Terminator uh, music? I think yeah, everyone. I mean, that's one of the most iconic scores of all time. I mean, if you if you don't can't yeah, think exactly. of the Terminator score, you're just an asshole. You don't so even know. It had, yeah, it kind of feels like James Cameron in a way. Um, you know, work with kind of the same people, and again, you know, just d- during the last decade, it, it feels like he just gave up, right? I mean, I have to keep repeating this because he just kind of left everyone. You know, I, you know, he just he just disappeared. Hey, he man, had three, all these great people around three films him. films in the 90s, and that's the his high Wonderful point. things, and then just kind of, uh, you know, went away. There was there was talk. You know, I mean, um, the, the TV show got canceled, right, Dark Angel. And, and during that time, there was talk of turning this True Lies into a TV show, which never happened again, you know, 2001 ruined that as well. But um, there's is there more of a moment in time than 9-11? That it, it just ruined film. Well, even Schwarzenegger got caught in that with the collateral mm-hmm. damage, which was supposed to be released um, right around there, and they pushed it way far back um, into 2002 because they didn't want any sort of correlation. I believe it was supposed to come out in October of 2001. Obviously, 9/11 happens. They pushed this back to I believe February or March of 2002, uh-huh. and then it became kind of this. Um, I don't know. It was viewed and it's such. It was kind of like this. Oh, look at that! Like, like quaint fairy tale that Schwarzenegger is going to protect us from the bad guys. And the world had changed overnight right. in a lot of ways. And um, it, it just the innocence is, it was lost. And I know it's hard to say. It's it's, it's weird to say yeah, there's an innocence to these movies when they're so violent. But they are fairy tales. And but that was part of the inappropriateness the to it. When you watch them now, back then they weren't inappropriate, right? They were funny and and but after. You know, when you watch these movies nowadays, they are it's wildly inappropriate humor, you know, mixed with something so serious. And then they do something slapsticky and you think, where the hell did this come from? But at the time, you know, I watched all these kind of and they're all, all the movies from the 90s are like this um, and still love them today. But they really it worked at that time. This movie definitely works. I mean, it's it worked then. I think it still works today. Sure. I encourage all of our listeners to, to rewatch this. Uh, hopefully you have a TV that will format this if you have the DVD because this is, I mean, if anybody out there can explain to me why there is no Blu-ray of this or Bad Boys 2, um, please do because there's no music rights issue here. There can't be any actor that's holding out. I mean, what the fuck? The fact that there's no Blu-ray of this but they've released Titanic twice, they've done two avatars, they've, I mean, Aliens is out there. It makes no sense why Fox has not put this out. So, I'm stumping for the Blu-ray here. I know, but this would be a gorgeous addition to yeah, any Blu-ray. I don't don't understand why uh, this doesn't exist, especially with something that's shot so uh, wide and good looking. But uh, I, I encourage anybody out there to to rewatch this. So I'm, I'm glad we watched it. I really am. So uh, what are we gonna do next? We got we got one uh, already figured out for next time. Yeah, I think we were talking about speed, right? How do we feel about that? Yeah, let's let's get into some I really, speed. I, I think speed is a perfect one uh, to rewatch. And I would say it has to be at least ten years since I've seen Speed. Yeah, oh, God, point. yeah, easily. <laughs> so that oh, sounds like our wait. next uh, retrospective podcast will be a Speed retrospective, which will be in a a few weeks' time. We'll have that up for you guys. We hope you for sure enjoyed this one. We enjoyed uh, going back and revisiting this Arnold Schwarzenegger classic, the nineteen ninety four action comedy classic and i can say classic with confidence because we both agree on this um true lies yeah so check it out anything else you want to add on today's uh, retrospective 
You're fired. That a boy. And with that, <laughs> speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Oh my, another magnificent episode has come to an end. If you're craving more, set your destination to moviemavericks.com, warp 9. Engage! <laughs>